What is going on, everyone? Welcome to episode four of the Big Fly Pod with your co-host Christian Myers and myself, Ty Lewin. The Houston Astros are your 2022 World Series champs after taking down the Phillies in game six on Saturday night to win the series four to two. Dusty Baker wins his first World Series as a manager, second to his World Series as a player in 1981 with the Dodgers. Jeremy Pena is your World Series MVP. Now, looking at that particular Game 6, wonderful defense, amazing uh, pitching from both sides. Uh, came down to a big home run by Alvarez there in the six. Um, it seemed to be a game that was going either way there for a little bit, but it just seemed like the Phillies ran out of gas there at the end after Alvarez's one of the most electric home runs I've seen in quite some time there in Houston. And so flipping it over to Houston's side, looking at their bullpen, Houston's bullpen, lowest ERA in MLB postseason history at 0.83 over 54 and a third innings. Ryan Presley made his stance for MVP with 11 innings pitched, 13 Ks, and zero earned runs over the course of the postseason, but specifically in the World Series, five and a third of those innings in the World Series with only allowing two hits. Absolutely insane. Christian, your thoughts on the game and also, too, what's next for both the Strohs and the Phillies here as we move into 2023? Well, just like the five games before it, game six was nothing short of awesome to watch back and forth for a while there until Jordan broke it open with that big fly. Um, looking ahead for both of these teams, I think for Houston, they just need to maintain what they've built. They've obviously been dominant for the last five, six years, and it doesn't look like they're going to be in a position to be stopping what they've been doing anytime soon. I think looking ahead to the offseason, the big question for them is going to be, what do you do with Verlander, whether they choose to bring him back or not? Um, I would fully expect for him to be back, but in the chance that he's not, then the question becomes, who do we replace him with? And I think also they need to do a little bit of the same thing at the catcher position and decide if Maldonado is going to be enough to maintain moving forward, or if you want to get a new face in there to bolster the lineup a little bit and then also continue to work with the pitchers as well as Maldonado has done. I know they traded for Vasquez at the deadline, but I believe that he's a free agent coming up. So that's a big question for them. And then on the Phillies side, I think they need to figure out what they, what they want to do to be able to put themselves in a position to get back. And I think the first thing that they're probably going to look at is that bullpen, like you mentioned, Ty, with Houston's ERA being as low as it was in the playoffs and how dominant they were throughout this postseason, I think that the Phillies will look to recreate that a little bit and get a couple other arms in there other than just Alvarado and Sir Anthony Dominguez, who they seem to rely on quite a bit in in the postseason and especially in the World Series. And then I think a big question for them is, what do they want to do at first base, which I know seems like a bit of a head scratcher because of the postseason that Reese Hoskins is coming off of and his season in general, actually, and how great he has been for the Phillies over so many years. But I think that they could bolster up first base a little bit on the defensive side and really hammer that down. So for Houston, I think starting pitching and catching are the two big questions. And for Philly, I think bullpen and first base. Yep. Uh, looking at the Strohs, a couple different options out there, multiple positions, looking at the catcher and center field position. McCormick, obviously, with a amazing catch there in Game 5 to really, to solidify that big win there in Philly. A Phillies fan growing up, great story there. Um, looking at the catching position, of course, with Maldonado and Vasquez, do they want to look to find an option that's more of an offensive minded catcher or excuse me more of a offensive powerhouse from that position or are they looking more towards somebody that can manage the pitching staff like Maldonado has done such an incredible job doing we'll see what they look to do there now as we move into the awards 
here for for the MLB awards that come up here next week starting next Monday. We wanted to go ahead and give our predictions for the winners. Now, looking at the line of um, odds for the winners, some are just outrageous with who is going to be the obvious pick. And just going down the list here, Christian, when we're looking at the AL MVP, we both decided that we go with Judge, NL MVP being Goldschmidt, AL Cy Young being Verlander, NL Cy Young being Alcantara. From the Marlins, AL Rookie of the Year being Julio Rodriguez from the Mariners, and of course the AL Manager of the Year being Brandon Hyde, who really has turned around the Orioles to put them in a position to look into free agency coming up here and and trying to make a splash, and we'll talk about that here later on when we get into our free agency predictions, but truly an incredible year. A guy who is a former Cubs uh, first base coach, so near and dear to my heart, was there when they won the World Series in 2016, loved by the players and loved by the organization. So really excited to see what they can do there in 2023. Now, as we talked about this before, we have a couple disagreements and it's normal in the podcasting world, but looking particularly at the NL rookie of the year, um, you and I had come down to two different options here. And so for my prediction, I'm going to go with Michael Harris. Reason being is he led the NL rookies in war this year at 5.3 since he was called up on May 28th he the Braves had gone from around seven and a half games back and actually gotten up to ten and a half games back after his first four games in but the Braves ended up going 80 and 38 uh, towards the end of the season and when they had talked to Dansby Swanson at one point during the year they asked him and said, what is, what's changed with the team? Because obviously you guys are now in the race for the division against the Mets. And you guys are really putting yourself in a great position here going into the playoffs. You know What has changed? And Dancy Swanson said two words. He said Michael Harris. So when I'm looking at a guy who can be an everyday player, who can be somebody that changes the element of the team, especially them coming off a World Series, and now bringing in new players and having to bring in this new team to bring in somebody like that you can put out in center field and then let Acuna then move over to right field and really bolster that outfield. I feel as if, Christian, that he's my NL Rookie of the Year. Now, love to hear your fact, uh, your point. So my NL Rookie of the Year is actually Michael Harris's teammate, Spencer Strider, who just like Harris, a great rookie year for the Braves and was a huge difference maker for them. Um, Strider started off the year in the bullpen before he took on a starter role for them, and he established himself in the rotation for the Braves going down the stretch. Since he came in as a full-time starter, finished the year at 11-5, and and out of that that 11-5 and record that he has, the six games that I really look at are the six games that he pitched against the Mets and the Phillies, because ultimately this division, while it really came down to just the Braves and Mets racing for it at the end, the Phillies still made the playoffs. So it's worth noting their performance as well against Spencer Strider. And in those six starts that he had against them where he had a decision, he went five and one. So that's five extra wins to push them ultimately over the Mets when that race came down to a couple of games there that only separated the Braves and Mets for the NL East crown. So for that reason right there, I've got to go with Spencer Strider as the NL Rookie of the Year just because of really the value that he brings to that team and that he brought to them this past season in that push for the NL East champions. Okay, we'll we'll put a side bet on it. How about that? Does that work for you? We could do that. Okay. Yep. Okay. I think we need to. I think we really need to, um, because now I'm gonna I'm gonna go into my pick here, and uh, you know, just forewarning anyone, if I if I seem to get passionate about this pick, I do apologize. Um, now looking at the NL Manager of the Year, uh, the finalists right now look to be Dave Roberts um, and uh, Buck Showalter as well. Now. For my pick, I'm going Buck Showalter. Um, the, he brought the Mets back to their winning ways where he 
let the Mets uh, led the Mets to their first 100 win season since 1988. He jumped from 71 wins last year to 100 this year. Basically really ran with just Scherzer and Bassett. And I know that's two incredible arms, but DeGrom was out for a significant portion of the year due to injury. So they lost that top their top guy and had to ride out Scherzer and Bassett, which I think honestly in the playoffs kind of showed with how much work that Scherzer's had to put in there over the last couple of years. Besides that, also too, not a lineup I look at per se and go, that's a 100-win team. So for my pick of uh, NL Manager of the Year, I'm taking Buck Showalter. And so, uh, Christian, who are you picking? I'm picking Dave Roberts, um, and I know that I know that this seems uh, like a a pick that shouldn't be made just because the Dodgers are who they are and they have the lineup that they do and whatnot. But for them to win 111 games, I think really exceeds expectations anywhere, and to do it with what they. What they had to do it with, uh, I think, is even more impressive. You know, you look at some of the off-field stuff with Trevor Bauer and that cloud that kind of hung over their head. Um, I don't think it was necessarily as prevalent this year because everybody kind of knew that Bauer wasn't coming back at all. Um, But without Bauer, they turned to Walker Buehler to be their ace, and Walker Buehler went down, and they didn't really have – have much to replace him with because I think if you look at it, you would have thought Dustin May would be able to come in, but obviously he was hurt uh, for a majority of the year. And then look into the bullpen, that was a little bit of a mess as well because of Kimbrell's underperformance, and then they didn't have Trinan to fill in for him and fill that closer role that they needed. Um, And a couple other injuries throughout the year that, Dave Roberts had to figure out a way to manage the game around. I think he did a tremendous job with them, took took them, like I said, to 111 wins. And for those casual fans that listen and are thinking to themselves, well, yeah, they won all those games, but then they got to the playoffs and lost first round. All the voting for the postseason stuff is done r- right after the last day of the regular season. So nobody would have known that. Uh, they were going to go one series and out in the World Series. So I tip my cap to Dave Roberts, and that is my selection for National League Manager of the Year. <sighs> okay. So here's where I get passionate about this. So earlier I was mad because of the fact that I felt like the Dodgers have won 100 games over like four of the last six years, and that's um, and one of those years was the COVID year, so it doesn't really matter. So – while I, while I want to look at it as, okay, he's won 111 games or how many games they've won this year, I just, when I look at their team and everything, I, I see it as is that they their lineup and everything has some players that have homegrown, but then you look at the top of their lineup and they've just added and added and added. So if I'm looking at guys that have really truly deserved this award, I actually, when I look at my pick of Showalter, I would actually pick somebody else who wasn't even nominated who should be, and the MLB should really consider revamping or or, or editing this, this award based on the fact that Rob Thompson, a guy who brought his team to the World Series, while the award does not take into effect of the playoffs, which is BS, but... The Phillies were at one point 22-29 and 29, entering play on June 3rd when they had fired Joe Girardi and brought in Rob Thompson and then guided them to a 65-46 and 46 record in the franchise first postseason burst in 2011. So if we're looking at a manager of the year award, then I think that the MLB needs to look at where they can start to divvy out the fact of are we looking at this as a full season award? If we are, then we need to make that vocal because I – Personally, Christian, if I'm looking at what Rob Thompson did, I'm seeing that as something that is truly remarkable, especially walking in the situation that he had to, versus a guy like Showalter and uh, Dave Roberts, where they had a pretty uh, pretty solid squad that you knew was going to probably win the division when the Phillies were not even picked to make the playoffs. Uh, but that's besides the point, po- besides the point folks. Uh, something that I've, I personally thought was interesting and I felt like it was something that maybe should be changed here for the future. 
Christian, anything to add? Um, I agree a little bit. I think that that would be, I think Rob Thompson's name being in the conversation would be definitely earned by him. Um, I don't know exactly the qualifications that one needs to be put up for the manager of the year award, meaning if you have to go the full season or not. Um, I'm not sure about that, but if you took postseason into account, I think it would probably be a unanimous decision to make Rob Thompson the NL manager of the year. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So now moving on to our way too early predictions as now we roll into free agency. We roll into a lot of things that are going to change across the MLB landscape, some new rules initiated. It's going to be a very, very interesting offseason, but even a better in-season when it comes up here in 2023. So we're going to go ahead and make our predictions here uh, for our listeners of our divisional winners, wild card, uh, or teams that get in through the wild card, along with our World Series matchup and our World Series pick. After that, we'll roll into our free agency predictions uh, with some wild card spots that we think that these free agents will land. So From my standpoint, looking at the NL divisional winners, I have from the NL East perspective, I have the Braves winning. Um, I think that the Braves are a team that, while Dansby Swanson, of course, is now moving into free agency, I don't foresee them making that a weak position moving into 2023. I see them locking up somebody from that high-level free agency options uh, of the options in the free agency for the shortstop position. I see them locking that up and then continually, uh, no pun intended, striding through the 2023 season into winning the division. Not going to be easy with the Mets and Braves, but I do think they're going to do that. NL Central, I have the Cardinals winning. Um, A lot of guys retiring, of course, with Yadier Molina, Wainwright, and Pujols, but that farm system is stout. They got some dudes across the field. I'm a Cub fan, an avid Cub fan, but I will be honest that the Cardinals are a dominant force, again, going into here in 2023. Um, And then on the NL West side, I actually have the Padres winning. Um, I think that they get Tatis back. I think that adds an element to their game that they were missing there in the playoffs, that other spark that they needed, uh, especially against the Phillies and who they would need against the uh, uh, team from the AL here, potentially in the World Series next year. NL wildcard, I have the Dodgers the Phillies and the Mets. I think the Phillies and Mets are both teams that still can run for that division title next year, depending on if the Phillies make the right moves here in the offseason and if the Mets are able to um, withhold a lot of the talent that they had from last year. Um, I think the Dodgers, of course, are going to be a team where they may lose some players and lose some of that talent. But again, uh, as Christian mentioned, and as we've seen from that organization from quite some time, and similar to the Astros, just a... A, a, a team that keeps pumping out dudes out of their farm system that are that are talented that are ready to play at the MLB level and they're willing and they're able to contribute there uh, at any point during the season I see them getting into the playoffs as a wild card but again that Padres Dodgers matchup throughout the year could dictate who wins that division Christian from your side who do you have coming out of the NL division uh, NL being the NL division winners along with the wild card teams so my my NL is not too terribly exciting. It's pretty much the same exact thing that it was this year. Uh, coming out of the NL East, I have the Mets winning the division next year. I think that now they understand how to play down the stretch, and I don't think that they're going to let uh, any any division lead get away from them at all next year. Um, so for that reason, I'm taking them there. Out of the Central, again, have the Cardinals. Um, Like you said, Ty, they're losing a couple of pieces there in Yachty and Pujols, but I think that those will be replaced during free agency, uh, or they've got a couple of prospects still that may end up coming up sometime next year and having an immediate impact at the big league level and pushing them to, to an NL Central win in a division that could be somewhat weak. Um, depending on what happens in Milwaukee, of course. And then out of the West, I'm sticking with the Dodgers to win again. I think it's it's going to be hard for anybody to take them down, I think, even the Padres. Um, but, you know, it's a long ways away from now, so who knows. And then with the wild card, I have the Padres, Braves, and Phillies 
as the three wildcard teams there. In the AL, uh, just doing this based off of what the rosters are right now and obviously pre-free agency and guys who are who are not on the roster as of today, I'm going to take the Blue Jays to win the East next year. And then in the Central, I've got the White Sox, who I think they've got um, a couple of things that are really going to help them out next year. I think they're going to have some more stability in the locker room with the new manager and getting a couple guys back from injuries that they didn't have for the whole year this year, notably Garrett Crochet in the bullpen, I think is going to be a big difference maker for them there. Um, And then in the West, I've got to take Houston. I mean, it's hard not to take them. They, they're just so good and they have so many guys coming back. I think it's going to be hard for anybody in the division to overthrow them for that division title. And then my wild card teams in the East, I have the Mariners and Yankees again going back to the playoffs. And then I have the Orioles coming out as a wild card winner um, next year as well. I think that they're going to make some moves in free agency. And I think they've got a couple of guys still in their farm system like Gunnar Henderson um, and Heston Kierstad who may come up next year and be really good for them. Uh, at the major league level and give that lineup even more boost than the flashes that we saw this year. So that is my playoff prediction for 2023. Great. And so for my side of things, for the AL divisional winners, same as uh, Christian there for the AL East, I have the Jays coming on out. I think that what, what people don't realize is that that team was very, very close to facing the Astros and I think would have put up a hell of a fight and would have been a incredible series. I don't know how much further they get uh, in in, uh, in reference to their record against the Astros in that series and if they're able to win that compared to the Mariners, but they almost legitimately went to a game three there before really a colossal teardown there in game two where they let up like eight or nine runs, so the Jays definitely have that motivation here coming to 2023 to be uh, a dominant force. AL Central, I know Christian mentioned the White Sox. I have the Indians. I think that the Indians are still very, very young and are going to stay with their approach and still having Terry Francona as their head coach, I think is going to be allowing them to keep the momentum that they had in 2022. I think that they were pretty pissed off of the fact that a lot of people doubted them and the White Sox were looked at as this team that was supposed to stomp through the AL Central, but really was a team that just grinded through at bats and had amazing had an amazing bullpen and starting rotation that allowed them to be successful towards uh, especially towards the latter half and really put away the White Sox and the other teams and like the Twins in the division. So I definitely see them being a team that can make even a big splash here in free agency to help them out. AL West, easy pick, Astros, no doubt. They don't they legitimately have just a few holes to fill up, but looking even through their payroll, they still have room to potentially make a big move. So don't doubt them in any way. AL wildcard, I have the Mariners getting in. Mariners will put up a good fight next year against the Astros, especially if they make some big moves here in free agency. While the Astros are the easy pick to make, look out for the Mariners next year. Could be a team that potentially takes them down um, because it's likely going to happen here in the next couple of years with what they're building there in Seattle. I have the White Sox getting in at, for the wild card. As well, I think they're a team that will turn around with Cairo coming in as new manager and bringing in a little bit of toughness to that dugout that they maybe needed. Not to say Tony LaRusso didn't do a good job, just maybe wasn't the right manager at the right time for them and what they needed. Um, Going to be a very interesting squad to see here in 2023. Interested to see what they do in free agency as well. Finally, I have the Orioles getting in. I really, really hope they are able to because it was a really exciting story this year towards the middle half of the year when they were really putting themselves in a position to get a wild card spot fell off towards the end based totally on the fact that they just didn't have that talent or that experience yet. But man, they have a farm system that's ready to roll and 
as we mentioned throughout all these teams, and as Christian mentioned, these are picks that we are making based on the rosters as of right now, but we may even make our predictions towards uh, the beginning of the 2023 season, maybe in spring training, because you just don't know where these teams can go and who they could pick up and what could develop within their farm system and their picks. So those are our picks there for the way too early predictions here going into 2023. Finally, Rolling into the free agency here. One of the more exciting free agencies we've had here in quite some time. Super excited to see what go, uh, what happens. We have an amazing shortstop class with guys like Trey Turner, Correa, Xander Bogarts, Dansby Swanson to the big, big move that's going to happen and seeing does Judge leave New York, stay in New York just on the flip side, or does he go elsewhere? and some of the more veteran arms in our game for quite some time that have been incredibly dominant that may be in unfamiliar places by the start of uh, the baseball season here in 2023. Christian, I'll let you lead off. We're going to go back and forth here between predictions uh, of our picks, and we're going to get it going here uh, right now. So, Christian, start us off. Who is your first free agency pick and where do you have them going? I'd love to hear where you think they're going to be going in, in, in the obvious predictions, but I would love to hear some wild cards and where you see these guys going that could really shake up free agency. So I'll start with a guy that I talked about a little bit at the top of the podcast, and that's Justin Verlander and what he's going to do. He's going to be 39 next season when he's pitching. So I think that teams are going to be looking to sign him to a one-year deal with one of those opt-in clauses at the end, Um, whether it's a player, team, or a mutual opt-in. I think he's going to go to a team that needs to have a starter next year and that that's one of their main targets that they're looking for. So realistically, I have him going back to Houston, which I think is – option number one I think he would love to go back there I think the Astros would love to have him back and last year when he tested the waters during free agency uh, that's where he ended up again Um, I think that the Dodgers are another realistic landing spot for him to go to I think that they really need to get a starter in there especially if Walker Buehler is not going to be pitching anytime soon, which it sounds like is the case. And then the wild card team that I'm going to throw out, I don't know exactly why I think that he could end up here, but I think that the Chicago White Sox could be a team that comes out of nowhere and picks him up for a year. Um, Like I said, no real reasoning behind that uh which i will have some later for my other picks but for now verlander realistically to the astros and dodgers but maybe out of the blue he could go to the white Sox. um and with that said ty i think we should just get the elephant out of the room right away and let me know what you think about aaron judge biggest could potentially the highest paid player ever, could be somebody that could land in a location that nobody thinks that he could. Nobody can really figure it out at this point. Um, he ended up getting booed there in the uh, ALDS, um, or, or excuse me, the ALCS against the Astros. Um, just kind of an unfortunate thing to watch based on the fact of what that man has meant to the Yankees organization here for the last couple of years. I mean, just simply a, a, a talent that is just, you really just don't find, right? And a 6'7", guy who can hit the ball to all areas of the ballpark, incredible, def- uh, incredible defense in right field. You can plug him in in center. You can plug him in in left, whatever you want to do there. You can have him as your DH. Just an all-around ball player, along with the fact that he's loved and he's and he's a good person. He's not in the news doing shady stuff. He's a guy that I foresee being somebody that can really change an organization around, and I hope to see him with the World Series trophy soon. To be honest, not with New York, in my opinion, but the obvious predictions are, of course, the New York uh, New York Yankees and the Dodgers, right? Both teams have a lot of uh, uh, money to spend, familiarity with New York, 
L.A. He grew up in California, familiar with that area as well. Rumors thrown out about San Francisco as well. That's somebody that's also kind of an obvious prediction. But my wild card is actually the Mariners. And I think if the Mariners, you know, they bring in guys like Luis Castillo, they're willing to trade picks. They sign guys like Julio Rodriguez to these massive deals. Like these guys want to win now. And this is somebody that is not going to come around too often. And you are in this window now to win. And just imagine an outfield with Julio and Judge manning that center and right field and and the ability to provide such an offensive powerhouse towards the middle of that lineup. And mind you, there are some other dudes in that farm system that are coming up as well. So I would love to see him in Seattle. I know that's sort of a kind of out of the blue um, team for him to go to. But again, somebody that you should watch out for, for sure. So Christian, your next free agency pick. Well, I'm going to kick off the couple of shortstops that we're going to talk about uh, over this the course of this prediction segment here, and I'm going to talk about Dansby Swanson. So it seems as if him and the Braves are not going to be having a reunion. Uh, the Braves have signed pretty much everybody in their lineup to some form of an extension except for Dansby. Uh, he... Who knows what's going on with him, really? Um, But there's a couple of realistic landing spots for him that I could see happening, and that is the Phillies being one who I think are going to try and push really hard after one of these shortstops. Um, Segura is a free agent up there, and I think that they are going to look to use the youth in Bryson Stott as their future and probably move him over to second base. Um so I could see Dansby going there. I could also see Dansby going to the Cubs uh, realistically because I know that the ownership group has said that they want to make a splash somewhere on the offensive side. I think that Dansby would be a great fit there to play alongside of Nico Horner and sort of be somewhat of a mentor to him. Um, Horner could blossom into a really good middle infielder there. But the wild card that I have for Dansby is the Seattle Mariners. And I know that they have made it very clear to J.P. Crawford that he is their shortstop of the future, and there is not going to be any changes with him most likely. But Dansby, when he was at Vanderbilt, was a really, really good second baseman, and that's kind of where he blossomed onto the scene and became that number one draft pick to the Diamondbacks that year was as a second baseman. So when you look at Seattle and see what they've got going on and how good they were this year and how good they could be in the future, I think that that might be attractive to a shortstop who would be willing to sacrifice not being at that glorified position and make the move over to second. And I could really see Dansby doing that. So, um, for him, I've got – for Dansby Swanson, I've got Phillies and Cubs, realistic landing spots, and then the Seattle Mariners as a wild card pick for him. Very cool. Now I'm going to flip it over to another shortstop. Carlos Correa, guy who just opted out of his three-year contract with the Minnesota Twins, having that really interesting uh, – this new age of contracts for these players with the player opt-out, something that is – We'll see over time if teams are as interested in this. Scott Boris, of course, being the one who introduced that and was the one to have the first contract for a player to have that player opt out and to introduce that to the free agency market. So now that Carlos Correa has, he was with the Houston Astros, obviously not going back to the Astros now that Jeremy Pena is an affordable player, also a dominant player, and is somebody that can be their future stud there at shortstop, which was originally Carlos Correa. Goes to Minnesota, doesn't pan out. Minnesota there for a little bit had something special. But now looking at him moving forward, I think Carlos would probably be looking to have something long-term. Again, that's just a guess out here, folks, but something that I can foresee him doing. I actually see him from the obvious 
spots would be the L.A. Dodgers, of course, with Trey Turner leaving and needing to fulfill that role. They probably have some dude in the farm system like the Astros have Jeremy Pena, but if they can get that lineup back to what it was there in 2022 with adding a player like Carlos Correa, excuse me, Carlos Correa, that is something that they will do. The Cubs are also an obvious landing spot. They were in consideration last year when the Twins had picked them up or picked Correa up. And unfortunately, the Cubs maybe at that time weren't looking at him as an option, but they probably saw the player opt-outs and said, okay, this is something we can look at here for 2023. So look out for that. One wild card spot I have for him, which was mentioned in your last for Dansby, would be the, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies. Gene Segura was, or the Phillies just declined Gene Segura's um, option there, so now they have a hole there at second base. What are they going to do? Are they going to move Stott to second base and then bring in their stud, bring in a stud shortstop? Do they leave Stott at second base or at shortstop and bring in somebody to fulfill that second base role? I think if the, if Carlos Correa is available. And he's given, and he has the option to have a valuable contract that can be great for the organization, allow them to succeed for years to come. Don't don't count them out because that is an organization that is wanting to win right now. They just had that taste this year. They want to get back to that next year. Harper came here for that reason. Look out for them to be that option. Now let's flip it over to another shortstop, Xander Bogarts. Christian, who do you have? This is a really interesting one, I think. Um, Bogarts is a two-time All-Star coming off of back-to-back All-Star seasons. This past season, we saw his power numbers drop a little bit. Um, I think he's probably going to be more around like a six, seven-year deal for maybe $26, $27, 28000000 a year, somewhere in there. Um, I, I really... I don't really know where he's going to wind up. I mean, realistically, I could see him taking over for Dansby in Atlanta and going down to the Braves and being the guy down there. Um, I could also realistically seeing him stay in Boston. I know that the talks between the two parties have not necessarily come to anything or if there's any progress going on there, who knows. Um, but the wild card team that I could see him winding up with is the Diamondbacks. And I know that they are probably a head scratcher for a team to pick up one of these guys, but I think the Diamondbacks are a lot better on paper than people give them credit for. And they're building up a pretty good young crew of crew of guys um, and have some good depth there. And Bogarts is one of these guys that I could see over the length of his contract needing a position change, whether it be to third base or second base. And I think Arizona gives the depth to do that. I think that the Diamondbacks will be looking in free agency to make a splash somewhere. And while it will probably be more on the pitching side, uh, I think they would make a good wild card to fit one of these shortstops. Excellent. And before I get into my last set of predictions here, let's go ahead and finish out the shortstop predictions. Looking at a guy like Trey Turner, a guy now that has won a World Series with the Nationals, moves over to L.A., has a a very legitimate shot to win there as well after that big trade. But Looking at him now, what where does this guy go, Christian? Like, what is his career output? People see him as the some say the best shortstop in the game based on the tools that he has. Where do you see this guy landing? I, I just love to hear uh, from your wild card position or wild card position for Trey Turner as well. Yeah, Trey's been a guy who's been producing year in and year out everywhere he's been. He started off with Washington, did really well there, got traded to L.A. and has done very well in L.A. uh, and been great for them um, on all aspects. And he's really a five-tool guy. So he's going to be making a team really happy uh, wherever he decides to sign. Um, I think that the Dodgers are an obvious landing spot for him just as far as bringing him back. Uh, I think, you know, L.A. needs to decide what they want to do with him and they need to decide quick if he's going to be the guy or if they're going to move on and go 
somewhere else maybe to improve a little bit on the defensive side of things because in Trey Turner's game, that's the one thing that I kind of see him lacking at is defense. So if it's not L.A., the other realistic landing spot, uh, shockingly enough, is the Atlanta Braves. Uh, close to home for him. I think he's a North Carolina guy, so uh, not too far away from there if he goes back there. And I think he'd be a good complement in that lineup too, up at the top with Albies and Acuna and, um, and Olsen as well. And then the wild card prediction that I have for him is the Baltimore Orioles. And the Orioles were rumored to be in on Correa last year. Um, whether that's really true or not, you know, I don't know. You and I are are not insiders to the game, but it was talked about that they were looking to give Correa somewhat of a similar deal to what he ended up getting from Minnesota. And I think that Baltimore is another one of these smaller market teams that's going to want to try and get in somewhere. And similar to what I said about Bogarts and the Diamondbacks, I think the Orioles are going to either go bats or arms and it's going to be one or the other. And I think that their young arms last year showed that they can do enough to get the job done. So I think that they might want to take a look at a guy like Trey Turner, who can be the staple of the offense moving forward and have some young guys in there behind him who can just add on to their games as well by being around Trey. So I'm going to go with, the Orioles is my wild card. And on this one, I actually really, really hope that this happens. Yeah. I think a lot of people do too. They want to, they do want to see the Orioles step up and bring in guys. They've been building through the draft, uh, seeing a guy like Jorge Mateo, a, a talented ball player, but again, somebody we'd like to see from the free agency market in that position would be a guy like Trey Turner for sure. And so I'm going to roll through the last uh, two pitchers here to talk about Jacob DeGrom and Carlos Rodon. Jacob DeGrom, the obvious spots, of course, are the Mets and L.A. The Mets just uh, signed Edwin Diaz to a massive $100, $100 million extension, so they are willing to pay those dollars. Stephen Cohen, Steve Cohen, of course, is willing to spend as much as he wants. So Jacob DeGrom to the Mets is an obvious pick, along with L.A. Uh, but then looking at from a wild card standpoint for Jacob DeGrom, I actually have St. Louis. And the reason being is that St. Louis just lost Wainwright to retirement. They're they're in the playoffs there against the Phillies. You could tell they didn't have that number one guy that they can go to, even though Wainwright tried to step up and be that. It just felt like the, the Cardinals were missing that number one guy that for all their years of success have had that in their starting staff. So don't be surprised to see them spend the money on Jacob DeGrom, 34 years old, may not be wanting to sign a major contract, you know, a five, six year deal. So could be looking for just something like a two to three. Uh, I think the Cardinals will be all over that. Carlos Rodon, another interesting pitcher with the White Sox had, there was a lot of, you know, issues supposedly with, you know, can he withstand an entire year? He started to lose that velo and that stamina in that playoff game against the Strohs back in 2021, where a lot of people really wanted to see if he could step up. He started to have that dead arm towards 2021. Now into 2022 was an absolute horse for the Giants, a guy that went out and competed every night or every 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 five starts was somebody that was out there willing to compete and wanted to be that dog for the staff, and I think he's got that dog in him. So I got Carlos Rodon. Obvious predictions are the New York Yankees and the Texas Rangers. Those seem to be projected spots for them, both organizations with money and proven, of course, to spend. Now, my wild card for Carlos Rodon, and it's an organization that has not spent money at all in the past and is willing to trade their best players to ensure that they're below that salary cap and and staying in a position to potentially make a splash, which I hope they do, is the Tampa Bay Rays. I think that with their staff this year with McClanahan, uh, Glasnow, a guy like Shane Baz, who's a young and up-and-coming star, 
in the playoffs there, you could tell that they McClanahan was great, don't get me wrong, an amazing lefty, but man, just imagine that staff with adding a guy like Carlos Rodon, who can handle a lot of innings over the year and be that horse in the playoffs, and then you allow yourself to go with a guy like Glasnow or McClanahan as your third game starter, fourth game, depending on uh, which uh, playoff series they're in, if they are able to make the playoffs. From an offensive standpoint, they're they're more than talented with who they have on the field. And so I see that being a spot for him potentially as a wild card prediction. Again, all these wild card predictions, folks, are places that we foresee based on the fact of this is something that would help this organization out a lot and they need to try and make this move. Uh, Christian, do you have any other free agency picks? We could talk about Anthony Rizzo for a second because I know with you as the the Cubs guy oh, and probably missing Rizzo a lot. Captain, oh, captain. He, yep. Yeah, he opted out of his deal today. And, you know, I think when they made the fire sale a couple of years ago with Bryant, Baez, and Rizzo, I think that Rizzo was the one who everybody was most sad to see go. Um, so I could really see Rizzo actually winding up back in Chicago in a Cubs uniform. Like I talked about a little bit earlier, they said that they want to make a splash and with the franchise being in the state that it's in right now. And a lot of people around there kind of being a little bit upset with the Ricketts and how things have been going. I think bringing Rizzo back for them would be a fantastic move. And I don't know if I'm sure that you share similar thoughts, but that's a guy I wanted to ask and see where you think that he might wind up next year. Yeah, I think that the Cubs can look at him as a guy that can come in and it would bring a lot of life. It's hard because David Ross and him, of course, have just an incredible relationship like brothers. He would come in and be almost a player manager in that scene. Now, he goes off of when he went from the Cubs where they were in that down year. They made the playoffs before. Uh, the year prior, and things just didn't work out, and he left. I don't know if there's still a sore throat with him in regards to the Cubs, but I think now that if he looks at where they're going, they're in a position to make some moves that could help them right now, but they're really looking towards that long term. There's guys like Matt Mervis right now within the organization that's been tearing up the Arizona Fall League and tore up the minors the entire year. I think he almost led the minors in home runs. So there's guys that they have in in, in the position right now to come on up. I just don't think we have that first baseman that's ready. They have an Alfonso Rivas guy who was just out there to play baseball, in my opinion. And I think that we need to look for somebody who can really step in and be a a guy that we can plug in in the middle of the lineup, which Rizzo is not done yet in any way. But from my side of things, I actually see Rizzo going to the Phillies as a potential option. I think that they... Um, I know Christian, you and I had talked about this in the past, but moving Harper to center, Cassianos to right, Hoskins to the DH role, and then Rizzo filling that first base spot. Imagine that infield of Bohm. You know, Correa, Dansby Swanson at short, Stott over at second, and Rizzo at first, adding another piece to that lineup where you saw this year where Aaron Judge, with the 62 home runs he had, obviously an incredible season, but if you looked at who was behind him, it was Anthony Rizzo, who they knew was going to put up a tough A-B, and that forced him to throw more pitches to Aaron Judge, and so I would love to see him in a Cub uniform. I think he'd also be a valuable piece in Philly. I just know that he's not going back to New York, and that makes me really, really happy. Talking about the Cubs, for the last free agency prediction we have here with Wilson Contreras, a very intriguing player, uh, a passionate ball player I got to see for many years, obviously a part of the World Series and a leader in the clubhouse, and developed into a uh, prolific catcher here in this league with one of the best arms that we've seen in quite some time. Um, Right now, Because of him potentially getting a qualifying offer, the Cubs will probably offer that and then likely get a compensation pick off of that. Um, But of course, they would look to try and re-sign him then afterwards. So the Cubs are an obvious spot there, along with the New York Mets. I know that Francisco Alvarez, who who the Mets brought up there for the playoff series, or excuse me, the playoff series, um, who brought up in the big series against um, the Braves towards the end of the year was a part of the playoffs. But... 
when you look at where the Mets are right now, they need to win now, especially with the money they're spending and who they're bringing in. And so you can plug Alvarez in that DH role and or Contreras, and you can flip-flop, and you give Alvarez the opportunity to have a veteran leader in Contreras, lead him down the path to success. He's a big-time prospect, but big-time prospects always don't pan out, and we and they need to make sure that they have somebody there that can lead him in the right direction. My wild-card pick here, which is going to kill me, and I know my father is probably going to listen to this podcast and probably ask for me not to come over for Thanksgiving dinner. It's fine. And, of course, I have buddies that like this team that are listening to this podcast that you guys owe me a trip to Vegas for this one. But St. Louis is a wild card spot for me for Wilson Contreras being because of the fact that Molina is now retired. I don't know at this time if they have somebody who is a solid backup option who can step in right away. But the Cardinals want to win right now. And... When looking at what they've had there for a long time with Molina, they never had to worry about that. Now they do. And so it's interesting to see with bringing in, if they try to bring in a guy like Contreras, can that help the team move in, in a direction that can move them through the playoffs uh, where they struggled this year? And so interested to see if they if the, if he ends up as a Cardinal, which I will regret here for the next eight to ten years of my life. Um, okay. Well, folks, thanks so much for tuning in. Always appreciate all our listeners and appreciate the feedback we continually receive week in, week out from everyone that listens. Um, I can't tell you how much fun we've had with uh, the first couple of episodes that we put on. We're starting to potentially get some interviews set that we're really excited to um, you know post out for you guys to listen in. And uh, yeah, so Christian, anything else here for our listeners before we sign off? Yeah, I know we ran a little bit long on this one, but hopefully you guys still enjoyed it anyways uh, as we look ahead to what we're going to do here moving forward. We'll probably be going one episode a week uh, through the off season and talking about a couple different teams and what we think that they can do to improve moving forward. Um, obviously, we'll talk about the free agent signings that – do happen and what impacts that have not only on the team who got them but on the remaining market as well and one of the things that we want to do too is we want to make this podcast more interesting for you guys to listen to by talking about stuff that you want us to talk about and hearing our opinions on so feel free to send in some questions or subjects of discussion that you would love to hear uh send it through message on either twitter instagram at big fly pod and we will make sure and and incorporate all of those um suggested topics into our podcast moving forward couldn't agree more well thanks everyone for tuning in our next episode will come out next friday as we're going to be off here and want to do this podcast a little bit earlier in the week so please tune in subscribe to our channel either on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And of course, follow us at the Big Fly Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Really interested again to see what happens here by the time we record our next podcast with free agency as the GM meetings move through Vegas. So everyone, thanks again for tuning in. Look out for the next episode next week and we'll talk to you soon.